Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we talk about topics of leadership, business, and human potential, so you can live rich from the inside out. Today, I have a special guest for you. Swiss-Canadian powerhouse Stephanie Hayes is on a speed dial of founders and executives in and innovative startups, small businesses, and corporate entities. When it's time to grow, she swoops in to design custom growth strategies that reach companies' goals fast. This no-nonsense adrenaline junkie, soon to be my friend because I'm an adrenaline junkie too, <laughs> brings over two decades of experience to the table, and today we get the pleasure to pick her brain. Welcome, Stephanie Hayes. Thank you so much, Deborah. It is so awesome when I get to, you know, sometimes I'll have somebody from the U.S. and I'll have someone from Canada and some, sometimes someone abroad. So I'm really excited to dig in. I was looking at some of the juicy topics that you um, often talk about. And one of the ones that I would love to jump in on, if it's okay with you, is why being courageous as a business owner isn't optional. Ah, that's a good one. Absolutely. Shall we just start? Go for it. Tell us what, what your take is on that. Okay. Um, being a business owner is not for the faint of heart. That is uh, absolutely true. And I think one of the big reasons for that is that we are in a, an environment of almost constant change. And a lot of people, um, when they transition out of uh, a job or they transition out of the workforce, it's, um, it's, it's a little bit challenging for them to understand that 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 sort of vision that they're going for never they, they never stop right they they never get to one place and then it's like okay everything's perfect and it's all wrapped up in a bow and um it's i'm just gonna sit here and i'm just gonna make my business run because that just doesn't happen right yeah. and so to i think one of the hardest things for new business owners is to be uh, comfortable with that constant change and not feel like that change means they're doing something wrong. Um, and this is, some, this is a mindset thing that um, I go through with my clients very often is that they're not failing because things don't get to a point of just stasis. They, are, uh, they are, need to be comfortable with consistent change and consistently getting to that next level in that new place. Um, and when you have a business and, and that's your thing, everything comes back to you and it's hard not to have that reflect on you personally. So mm -hmm. maybe a customer had some poor feedback or a, uh, we didn't make our sales numbers or, um, who knows any one of the, the litany of things that can be challenging in business. It is hard not to look at that and think I have failed. And it's hard to not, not to look at it and think it is a failure it is, these are learning points and they are constantly happening. And we, if we are good at what we do, we take them in, we use them to course correct and we keep going. But that's a really hard place for a lot of people to be in, especially if they're newly transitioning into owning a business. Yeah, makes total sense. And the other thing I was thinking about as, as you're talking about that courageousness and just recent experience for myself is, you know, I did a couple talks and I was like, how come it doesn't feel like mm. the result, like I, the, the talk itself nailed it, right? Everything yeah. went well, but there was just something, it was like the result wasn't what I expected. And here in my mind, I'm telling myself, you know what? That wasn't really good. That like, there's something wrong. Yet when the feedback started coming in, it was like, Deb, that was awesome. <laughs> I just need these questions answered or this question answered. And can you get that for me? And I was like, huh, it wasn't what I thought it was because right. my feeling right after the presentation is like, nailed it, did, did a great job, did, 
delivered what I needed to, the response, you know, when you're reading your audience was great. However, I think when we think about those changes that happen, you know, that's not the usual reaction that I've ever felt after a talk. And these two talks were back to back. And I was like, that doesn't feel right, <laughs> you know? But to have that courageousness and uh, something that I study is appreciative inquiry. And I don't know if you're mm -hmm. familiar with it, but it takes that spin of how do we navigate through change positively? Yes. And, and to or navigate, navigate through change um, without judgment, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a hard, hard thing to learn, and, but you've got to be able to do it because every, every single experience that happens is a new data point for you. And at this point in time, I almost get excited about feeling, right? I want to, I want to jump in and launch something as soon as I can because if it's not going to work, I want to know as soon as I can so that I can get that much closer ahead or that much closer to success. Mm. And that's, it, it took me a long time to be in that place, but that, that's, a, that's very similar to your concept of appreciative inquiry that rather than look at these things and say, Oh man, you know, I didn't get the results that I wanted. Yeah. I'm looking at it and say, okay, what happened? What happened and what can I now add to my knowledge bank so that in the future, I'm going to get, I'm going to start that much further ahead. And that's, that's tough, right? It is tough because we personalize our businesses and especially in this kind of world where we're sole entrepreneurs or we're, you know, small micro business owners and, and service-based professionals. Everything that we do is so personal to us. Mm -hmm. um, so getting curious and, and being comfortable with getting curious is, uh, is an, a very important part of being a business owner. Yeah. And Stephanie, I think what I like the most that you said, and I'm partial to curiosity because I have a book on let's be curious. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to being reflective and looking for the lessons, so I really love that you tap into that. And what is one of your greatest lessons that you um, had revealed to you through one of your times of change? Uh, to divorce yourself from the outcome. Um, that is, that has been the, the guiding light for everything from, um, from the business work that I do to the coaching that I do with my clients, to my personal relationships, to, to my kids, even I, it, I need to step back and not expect any particular outcome. And that way you, you are fluid. You are, you remain curious you are, um, you know, it, suffering is about trying to control your future. And I think if, in, especially in business, if we can step away from trying to control the outcome, we don't have to do everything all at once. It never has to be perfect. It, we can just watch and see and be, be in this state of fluidity where everything that's happening to us is a new piece of information and we're, we're molding, each of us is molding this, this different beast, right? There are no cookie cutter business models. There are no formulas. Every single one of these businesses is or should be its own entity that looks a little different than all the rest because it's been molded by a human who is different than all the rest. So getting into that fluid, fluid state, being not married to outcomes, it, it has made everything a lot less difficult. So what do you do? What habits have you put in place so that you can be fluid and be in that flow? Um, part of it is I surround myself with a, a, a support community, right? Uh, other people who are in the same place as me or who have been in the same place as me, because these are my little checkpoints. So I just had this experience um, last week and I had a, I had a sort of negative um, event and and I was just, you know, I was inclined to just go, oh, I suck. I'm going to go get a job at Starbucks and blah, blah, blah. But the first thing I did was reach out to these people that I have on speed dial and say, hey, talk me, talk me out of this or let's get some perspective, right? So that ability to sort of triangulate is really important to me. I, as soon as I have a problem, I talk it out and I just blob to all the people that I know who can understand. So I, I, I'm very, very particular about maintaining those relationships with um, a group because it can be lonely being an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. you, are, you are sitting here behind your computer all day trying to make things work. And when your only interaction is with your customers or 
your vendors, it, um, it can be pretty isolating. And, and a lot of people have a lot of shame about the things that don't quite go so right. So I think having that, that um, normalization of a group of peers that understand where you are and where you're going is, is critically important for me. So what do you have in place as your morning routine? Do you have a specific mor- morning routine that sets you up for your success? I, I do have a morning routine. I'm not sure how much it's setting me up for success, but I'm hoping so. <laughs> um, I do, I wake up and I actually do yin yoga before I, before I start my day, because, which is the opposite of what they suggest. But for me, yin, I wake up and I'm just like raring to go. And yin actually brings me back and, and lets me say, okay, stop for a second, regroup, just get ready. Um, I actually do my planning the night before and I will get everything ready and I will know what tomorrow is going to be. And I have a whole framework for, for planning. And that lets me wake up without anxiety, without wondering what today is going to be. And I can just go into that calm and um, start just executing on my day. And as long as my, I know that the tasks I'm working on have rolled up to something I'm trying to achieve strategically, I can have that confidence in the work that I'm doing and I don't need to spend a lot of time worrying and, and chasing, you know, whatever uh, bright, shiny thing shows up on the internet today. <laughs> um, I always have my coffee, uh, my bulletproof coffee and, um, and I sit down in the morning, I plan my food for the day so I don't forget to eat. Um, so tendency to do that. Not uncommon for entrepreneurs to forget to eat. I have absolutely. To <laughs> it sounds funny, but it's absolutely true. And I will find myself getting to, you know, I used to find myself getting to the afternoon and I'd be like, why did I feel so tired? And it's because I just plowed through and had, and it's all about the balance now, right? And I review my, I review my agenda for the day. I review um, what work I'm going to do. I look at my, um, my projections for the year and it motivates me to remember that everything I'm working on has to be aligned to that plan. Um, so I think it's a, it's a bit of relaxation. It's a bit of centering. It's, it's a bit of coffee and, um, and being really clear on what today is going to be. You know, and, it, and it's made a, it's a, it's a slight shift, but it's made a big difference to how confident I feel in what I'm trying to achieve and always bringing myself back to the why, right? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. What am I trying to achieve? How am I going to execute on that? What's the priority? So with that, do you also do something, anything particular in the evening to set yourself up for a good rest or to, you know, get yourself in the zone if you're having this burning question you need answered? You know, I, um, I have adopted a philosophy in life that I'm not saving lives. And it's very rare for me to get to the point where something is so urgent and, and scary that it's taking up my head. So a little bit of that was shifting my mindset. But what, one of the things that I've adopted that I actually had to put in my calendar, because if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Um, as, soon as, I pick, well, as soon as I pick my kids up from school, there's no more work. So on the weeks that I have my kids, there's no more work after three o'clock. Um, but on the weeks that I don't have my kids, bedtime or after dinner is fiction, just reading fiction. Because I was missing, I had, I, I'm very logical, analytical, and I was missing that whole creative part of my life. So I find that the fiction, no matter what it is, actually releases my brain from the the day-to-day I got to do this stuff there's tasks I have these these deliverables or you know whatever it might be that I'm thinking about in my business and I just die and I find that now that I read a lot of fiction when I do I just dive into it my whole brain consumes it so it's almost a form of meditation I'm not thinking about anything else I'm reading my book and it and my brain loves it because it's something that is not taxing Okay. So I need to know your secret because whenever I grab a fiction book, it's like, I can't put it down and I say, well, depending on the book, I'm reading a series right now that I can't put down, but, um, I have had a few nights of, of marathon sessions. Cause it was, you know, it's like my, my brain's so hungry for the creativity yes, that yes. it chews through it. And it's just, it's like candy, right? But uh, I have to listen to my body. I've been really gotten really good at listening to my body. And when I am starting to fade off, 
it is uh, time to put it away. Yeah. I, I, I can't stand late anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like the nonfiction because you, you can read a little bit, you can put it down and you can process it. But is, and I usually reserve fiction reading for when I'm on vacation because it's like, oh. okay, I can turn off and I can stay up or I can do it. Right. I've had to, I, it's been intentional to bring it into my, um, my evening because it is specifically not nonfiction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to think about it. It is just like letting your brain go and follow all these creative pathways and have these, have all this imagination about what you're reading and and what could be, right? Yes, and stimulating all that creativity. Yes, yes, that's been important for sure. So what brought you into the career that you're in right now? Uh, I actually believe I was sort of born into this career. (laughs) It's, you know, I can remember even just being a kid and wanting to build my own business. And I would sit, you know what I would do? I would sit for hours making forms. Forms for people to to fill out. That was my that was my play activity, um, and as I got older, it was it was just never. It was never not an option to become an entrepreneur to start my own business, and uh, my my career from day one was in small businesses, startups, working in startups, and once you once you spend so much time in that environment, it starts to become part of your DNA. It gets really comfortable. You know, you're part of a startup. You're doing everything. I got to. I'm grateful for that experience. I got to be all things because when you're in the startup, you're just like all hands on deck. Um, oh, you're going to do finance today? Go do finance. You're going to be a project manager. Oh, look, we need a designer. How about that? And I do a little bit of coding. And, cool. <laughs> and I, I remember being in a role where I was, um, I was responsible for supporting customers in like a marketing capacity. And I had a specific region and this was a startup that we were all building together and I was assigned this specific region, but there were no customers. So my, I went out and I started getting customers while well, I learned very quickly how to sell. <laughs> yeah. so, so the startup world has been in my blood from day one, small business startup. And the, the really cool thing has been working in these startups and working in these smaller businesses I also had the opportunity to consult to much larger corporations and big ones um, and public sector and big government organizations. So I've had, I've had the opportunity to work all across the board and that's, um, that's pretty valuable because you can bring that to a small business. So when we started, when I started up really invested in and started up my, my first business, um, I think it was about 12 years ago and that was um, that was an experience for sure. It was like, you know, your starter business and you learn everything all at once. Um, but we did, we grew it. And uh, that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. And I was absolutely addicted. Um, I have started up five businesses since. I have a software company. I have um, another little online business. I have my coaching practice. I have a consulting practice. So you know, when I got myself immersed in the university as an entrepreneur mentor, it was, um, it was so much fun to have all these different little startups that we were, you know, creating and, and helping become op- operational so that they could be consumed by the seed fund. And what I realized then is like, that's really what I want to do. You know, I was doing all this consulting in the technology space and I was doing some strategic consulting and what I really, really loved were these these people who had this investment in their business and were so passionate about it and it had to work. And for whatever reason, I just, I could just help them and I could see and I could understand and get clarity on what they needed to do. And it was like, it was like, you know, being a clairvoyant for (laughs) their startup idea. And that was so helpful to them to be able to have somebody say, here's what you need to do and execute on this plan. Because when you're right in the thick of it, a lot of these people don't have a business background, right? So they have a skill or a trade and they, they muscle through and they create a business and they figure out how to like do it from a, a, a legal perspective. But they, they eventually get to this point where they're going, I don't know what's next. And yeah. I'm just hanging on right now. Like, I know this is viable now. I have made some money, but I don't know how to go from where I am now to that next step or how to grow or I'm, I'm working way more hours than, 
than the money that I'm making and something just doesn't feel right. So all of those guys, I love them and I can help them. And that really became clear to me that that is my superpower. And uh, a couple of years ago, I started up my coaching business officially, having kind of done it off the cuff with a few different people. And it has been not looking back ever since. It's exactly what I need to do. It's a great fit for my skills and I'm absolutely loving it. Awesome. Awesome. I was just thinking about when you said, you know, you went where there's no customers and you had to get yourself to sell. What would you, what advice would you give the brand new entrepreneur who's said, I'm going to put that, going to start that business and what do I do next? And I don't know anybody or, you know, stepping out of that comfort zone and really creating those opportunities. You got to just go out there and make a mess, right? You have to be, you have to expect that you're going to make a mess at the beginning because that is how you start gathering data points and you start moving towards a lot of people freeze, right? They, they think, Oh, everything has to be perfect before I start. And that's just not true. Everyone, nobody's, nobody's sitting there watching you waiting for you to make a mistake so that they can say, Oh yeah, we knew that that was going to happen. Most people are off minding their own business, right? So you, you've got to go out and you've just got to try. You've got to, you've got to uh, go talk to that Talk to that person you know who can help you. Go start selling a minimum viable product. Go and ask some questions. Go involve yourself in groups. Um, do whatever it takes to just start getting some exposure and being comfortable talking about yourself as a business owner. I think that's the hardest thing is people, people verbalizing and committing to the fact that they own a business because it is putting themselves out there and that's scary, Right. So judgment, right? People are already worried that they're being judged. Yes. And at some point you're not going to start and it's going to be perfect. I can hundred percent guarantee that for you because it's never going to be perfect ever. Even 10 years in, it's not going to be perfect. So it, you might as well just get out there and start and start trying. Um, and it'll be messy at first and then you will learn some things and you will start to get less messy and then you'll learn some more things and it'll get less messy. But the other thing I would say is, um, look for mentors and look for collaborators because partners have been even even in with solo entrepreneurs partners are extremely extremely valuable to you not only can they help you sort of normalize the work that you're doing but in terms of finding an audience in terms of getting exposure to a market um, I remember with my consulting practice I sold probably 70% of my business through a partner and that was instrumental in us opening up new markets, in us opening up introductions to customers that we may not have had an audience with before. So partnerships can be exceptionally valuable, especially when you're just starting out. And what, would you, what advice would you give about partnership agreements then? Because I know oh, well, some, are, some are a handshake <laughs> and some are like, you need an agreement. Get, get an agreement. Um, and uh, I am not a, a lawyer, but I have seen um, incidences with uh, with partnerships where um, terms weren't spelled out clearly to, and expectations. I think it's actually more expectations than terms, but um, figure that out first. Don't be afraid to put something like that in place because your, your relationship with your partner is going to be less um, clouded with ambiguity when you, you can just focus on the task at hand. But uh, absolutely, if you're in any sort of partnership that involves um, sharing. What does success look like to you, Stephanie? Success looks like flexibility. It looks like um, freedom to make choices. Uh, for me, being able to um, be with my family and provide opportunities for my family as much as I possibly can. Um, I used to be in a position where that wasn't the case and it was very, very difficult and I had a lot of guilt about it. Um, for me, being able to own my own time, to um, be able to grow in every different possible way that, uh, that I want to grow is really important to me. And for some people, that's not their passion. That's not what motivates them, but that's, that's what motivates me. So I work very hard to get to a place where um, I have flexibility and freedom in all the work that I do and, and the opportunity to sort of turn on a dime, which you don't have a lot when you're in corporate. 
yeah, opportunities are scarce in a sense that if you're in corporate, you can't always go after that opportunity, especially yes. if yes. there's things that come up, it's like, oh, I got an obligation here, right? Yes. Yeah, depending on where you're working. Depending. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I love this topic that you have, and uh, I'm sure our audience will be very curious about how to get exactly what you want and why everyone is going to thank you mm. because of it. Now, tell me a little bit about that because that sounds really juicy. Okay. Well, typically what happens is a business owner or a new business owner wants to start a business and they look around and they see what, what, what's someone else doing. Um, and so I'm going to use my example that I, I use all the time, but, um, a lot of people are sort of clear on their vision, but they, um, they don't go deeper than that to figure out what that actually looks like for them. So they end up adopting some cookie cutter business model that, that they've seen someone else do or that they think someone else expects them to do. And so if I knew that my vision was that every baby goat has pajamas, I, what would be the most obvious business that you, you would probably say, well, I got to make pajamas for baby goats, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what if you hate sewing? What if you're knitting? Or what if your hands, you have trouble with your hands? You're going to continue to run this business, but you're not going to like it very much. And uh, what I can tell you from experience is that when someone doesn't like their business very much, they don't put a lot of effort in and it's always, there's always friction. But what if you were the lobbyist who who had legislation passed for baby goats to have pajamas? Or what if you were the farmer that was pajama friendly? Or what if you were the delivery truck driver that delivered? All of those roles are delivering on that vision, right? They all support that vision. But the, the, the point is that there's all sorts of different ways that you can build a business to support a particular vision. So the work that I do with my customers is all about personalization of a business. And when we go through and we understand which of the four pillars of their business, of their sort of the passion of their business are most important, is most important to them, we design a business around that. And in that way, we always know there's going to be alignment in the business model. So when we go and we start to design you know, what they're offering and, and what they're trying to achieve, all of these things come back to that pillar of passion. And I, I, I called it the four pillars of passion as tongue in cheek, but it's actually exactly that. When I hear someone say, oh, just follow your passion and build the business. I'm a photographer. Well, I like photography, but actually I hate running that as a business. So it's, it, you know, people mistake passion for hobbies right? But really, I, we're either passionate about a particular customer type, or we're passionate about a particular product or service we've created, or we're, we're passionate about delivering with a particular skill set, or we're passionate about the way that we want to work. Most of us care about all four of those, but one of them, for everyone, stands out more than the others. And they will need that to be true, no matter what they do in their business. For me, it's the way that I want to work. And I know this because I would compromise who I work with, what I'm delivering for them, what skills I'm using in order for that to remain true. So when we run this test with my customers, before we do any work, we figure that out first. And sometimes we will radically shift their business model because the work that they were doing, they were doing just because I thought that's the only way to to, to, to do this, right? The work that, but it was really in conflict with who they were and what their passion was and what their goals and objectives were for their business. So in that respect, if you get really clear on what you want, there's always going to be a way to build a business around that. You can have whatever you want. It just depends on how committed you are to that. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, I like how you talk about that struggle because that struggle that often happens or that misalignment is because they're not staying true to their core values. Yep. Values and what's sort of inherent in their personality, right? Mm -hmm. um, th that's just another layer that, uh, you know, that just, it just is. And the four pillars sort of suss that out. I can ask you to the, to the cows come home, what your goals and your values are, and you can rattle them off to me but we're still missing that other piece that is inherently you. So your business needs to be very personal to you or you're not going to put the energy and the effort into it. 
Yeah. It's got to pull on those emotional heartstrings. Otherwise you're not. Oh yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think is missing from the business coaching world? Oh, uh, one thing I think is missing is actual experience running a business. And this is always amazing to me that we have um, business coaches out there that have never run their own business. They have never gone through the process and the struggle of starting something up and the pain and the frustration and, and understanding what things look like from a strategic perspective. So we have a lot of business coaches who call themselves business coaches, but are actually really focused on marketing. Like they have a hammer and everything's a nail, right? And that's okay, but call yourself a marketing coach or call yourself because you're, you're misleading these people who are coming to you and saying, I just don't know what to do next. I, I like, I don't have a specific marketing problem. I'm just, my business isn't working. And so what they end up getting, and I hear a lot of customers come to me and say, I hired this business coach, but all we talked about was email marketing, right? So they're not getting that strategic perspective. They're not getting a 360 degree eyes on their business from someone who has had the experience. And I think that that's extremely important and it's missing, right? Um, It's very, it's not, not common. So I wish that people would kind of call themselves what they are, not because it's frustrating, but because they're going to get the right clients that way. And their clients are going to be happier because they knew what they were getting. So I think there's a little bit of misrepresentation and I don't think it's vindictive. I think that it's, you know, the, the industry doesn't quite understand what business coaching or business strategy really is yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are the top three things that business owners need to do to become successful? They need to, um, (laughs) the top, top thing they need to do is they need to recognize that everything is always going to change and be comfortable with that. Um, And we talked a lot about that kind of mindset around um, being comfortable with, uh, with failure, being comfortable with, um, with uh, ambiguity, being comfortable with a constantly changing schedule and, and agenda and that sort of thing. So that comfort with change and that comfort with ambiguity, I think is sort of your, your top, uh, the top thing people need to be successful. Um, The second thing they need to do is they need to plan. Um, Without a plan, it is very, very unlikely you're going to reach your goals. But the other thing that a plan does for you is it allows you to see and be confident in the fact that you can achieve what you want to achieve. So a lot of, I mean, like most business owners are out there flying by the seat of their pants. They're like, well, I'd like to make, you know, I don't know, $60,000 this year. And then we sit down and we do the plan and we say, well, just making some adjustments here, you can make a hundred. And they're like, oh, how much (laughs) am I leaving on the table, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it's also, you know, these, these guys live in a state of constant, like, stress, right? They're, they're always wondering. And when you put a plan in place and you, you, you're comprehensive about it, that ambiguity, that anxiety is much, much reduced. And they have a sense of confidence in their business that they can actually do it. And the third thing I would say is live and breathe your money. Like, don't be afraid of your money. I can't believe, like we, the money piece is one pillar in the work that I do with them. And when we get to that session, they're all just like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do this. This is, they don't want to talk about money. They don't want to talk about money. And I'm like, money is the greatest thing. And why are you in business? There's a lot of shame that has come out of, especially like the wellness industry or any sort of service industry where a lot of these people are like, oh, it's not about the money. I'm like, yes, it's about the money. It's a business. <laughs> and the best thing you can do to help people is run your business, build your business, be successful at it. Because I think you, were, you asked me this question earlier and I realized I didn't answer it, but the, the, the best thing you can do is be visible to people because there are people out there who need what you are offering. They need it and they are happy to pay for it because they need it so badly and you're solving a problem. So we look at the, the skill that we have and we're like, oh, well, this is really easy. So why would anybody pay for it? So I'm just going to charge, you know, a little bit. And really to, to someone else, your skill and what you can do 
is absolutely a black box. They have no idea. It's super stressful to them. They just want someone to take care of them. So if you're in there, you're out there hiding, you are uh, not doing a service to the people who need you. So the money piece is all about being really confident about how much you're spending, what you need to make, um, what you want to make, but it's also about valuing your services. It's your pricing. Pricing is like the number one thing I end up talking to people about because they are so scared of the money and they think that their pricing is like them being greedy or them um, overselling themselves. But really your pricing is a non-emotional thing. You, your pricing is there to cause people to take certain actions that you want them to take or it's there to attract the right people and repel the wrong ones. So if you're pricing something super low because you're like, oh, I'll get more customers that way, but your service is really for a hiring client, it's confusing and nobody's gonna buy it, right? So getting really comfortable with your money is, is extremely important. And you need to know where it's all going, you need to know where it's all coming from, and you need to know what you are reaching for and manage it very, very tightly. And a lot of most business owners don't do this very well. Yeah. First, they're afraid of money. Then they take their personal way that they run their homes or personal finances into their business. And then they don't know how to manage it's very that. Mixed up. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's very mixed up. Yeah. So I teach them to do this and give them the tools to do this. But I'll tell you, I, like, they walk into that meeting like they just want to shrivel. They would rather be anywhere but that <laughs> we come out of it happy, but you know, that just that visibility and being, you know, mm, shining the very light. vulnerable. Oh, it is. It is. It absolutely mm. is. And if we want to make money, we need to be talking about it. Right. Oh, absolutely. I love money. I, <laughs> I want to make all the money I can. Right. <laughs> because it enables me to have, to meet my goals and it enables me to do more um, of what I really want to do. And that is for me, but it's also for the people that I want to serve. Awesome. And um, so why is it so important for businesses to have a model? Why does it matter? Uh, because it is, um, it, the business model pulls together all the different pieces and it allows you to have alignment. So if you can imagine, and alignment is really important in your business for all the reasons we've talked about, that, that the, the effort isn't going to go in, that, that you're going to be sort of, you're going to have this friction all the time, right? So if we don't, if we don't adopt a business model and, a, and our business models need to be personalized for us, right? So there are kind of a set of nine or 10 business models that are sort of standard in the industry. And those are great for, you know, starting with an inspiration. What, what they don't do is they don't tell you, okay, who you are is actually really well aligned with this business model over here. It's just kind of this grab bag. It's like, oh, I'd like to be a thought leader today. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Right? So your business model is there to help you get alignment in your business. It is there to help you build the business that you really want to have, because if you don't have that, you will not put in the effort and you will constantly be wondering what's wrong. So that is incredibly important for, um, for business owners to be really clear on. Yeah. It's acts as your light lighthouse or guidepost, you know, totally. that yeah. is, totally something that you're taking in direction, but it creates that foundation. So without yeah. one, you're going to be kind of foundering, like, let's do this or let's do that. And there's no real yeah. uh, blueprint that opens up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's what we call it. We call it the business blueprint. So I'm just going to throw in a fun fact here okay. about being a roller derby player. <laughs> So does that uh, a roller derby player, like that competitive edge, how does that come into your business? You know, it's really funny because um, I have talked to a number of people in my business community who are really surprised when they hear that I do more of the adrenaline sports, kiteboarding and roller, roller derby and um, flying planes and mountain biking. And you just can't get away from it here where I live. Um, but it's, it's because in business, I'm very calm. I'm very calm. I'm very centered. I am, you know, the sort of voice of reason and logical and analytical, and maybe I'm a bit boring. I don't know, <laughs> but I, I think that the, 
I think that those activities are my opportunity to get my high stimulation and to, um, to get all that energy out. And, and I don't know, I think it's, uh, roller derby to me was just always the most insane sport and it was so much fun. And it was like, it was like being in a legal gang fight. <laughs> <laughs> and the community was incredible as well, but it was just something a little different. And, yeah. and I loved it. I have just retired from roller derby this last week. Yeah. So it is, uh, I'm a bit sad about that, but with my schedule and um, the kids and I was just, I didn't have enough time to do it. I would still love to skate, but um, yeah. we'll see, right? Anyway, so Derby, Derby's a, a really amazing community. It's like the island of misfit toys, right? We just this grab bag of all these interesting women and really, really tight community. Um, so it was more than just the sport. It was, yeah. uh, and I didn't know how to skate. I didn't know wow. what went like, yeah, when I started, I started playing when I had a broken tailbone from kiteboarding. And, um, that is about the last injury you want when you're starting to learn how to skate because you're falling on your back all the time. Mm. <laughs> I think I rebroke it a few times that, uh, that season. <laughs> so what but lessons have you learned from roller derby that you can apply to business? Cause I think from what I hear, I can see the passion in your face when you talk about it. But if there's something about doing those things, like like you said, it kind of grounds you, gets that um, those emotions out there. So when you focus on the business, you can focus very factually. Yeah. When the money comes yeah. in, there is emotion because it's yes. like, yes, it's working, yeah. right? Yeah. But you, you, you learn to be scrappy too, right? I think, you know, in Derby, you never sit still. And, and you're, you've got, you're playing offensively and defensively at the same time. Well, that's very, very similar in business, right? You are charging forward with your strategy, but you're also managing the things that are happening, right, in your environment. So you're constantly in this offense, defense um, type of role within, uh, within your business. And it's very similar as in Derby. And, and you just can't stop. Like the, every round that you're out there, you just have to keep fighting through and you have to be over here blocking and then you have to be over here trying to get someone off the track. And then sometimes you're trying to score points. And so you're never stopping. And I think that's the same in being a business owner is that you just never stop. It doesn't turn off for you. Your business doesn't sit there in a state of like homeostasis where it just kind of runs itself. I mean, maybe some people have that, but you're always feeding the machine, right? You always, you need to always be responsible. And it sounds exhausting, except it's kind of not, right? It's the same thing that you would be doing if you were in a job, but you are now responsible for it. You have ownership, which I think makes it a lot more attractive. Fun. Fun. I'm going to have, I'll go watch it first before I'd attempt. <laughs> Actually, Calgary, has a, Calgary has a really, really good team. Oh, awesome. I, I know there's some teams here in Edmonton as well. So I'll have to there must be, at yeah. least watch, watch. Because yes. <laughs> yep. I've, I've seen a little bit of like, whoa, I'm not sure if that I, I would do that. But I, I'd love to do everything at least once. Well, it's, it, it's, a, it's an interesting sport because there are lots of rules. So yeah, a lot of people sit down and they go, what is going on here? <laughs> So when the going gets tough, Stephanie, how do you keep going? <sighs> That's a little in my DNA. I, uh, I am somebody who doesn't, um, and, and I've learned this over the years, that when there's a problem, the first thing I want to do is solve it. Um, and it can be, it's, there are times are tough. Times are always tough. But as I mentioned before, having this community of peers around me and, and supportive peers around me is really, really important. But I've also learned that, again, I keep saying to myself, we're not saving lives, right? We are not, I mean, maybe you are, but for most of us, we're not saving lives. And the world isn't going to come crashing down if this thing doesn't happen by tomorrow, or you got a crappy customer review, or, you know, what have you. So um, when, when times get tough, I, I often have to just go out and remove myself from this place for a little while and maybe go for a hike or mm -hmm. go on a vacation or whatever it might be to just reset, reset the environment because we can get so in our heads about our businesses and we can get so immersed in everything that we're doing. So I think a little change of scenery, um, looking out to your people for support and just keeping that mindset going, that meditation around the fact that you are not your business and life is not going to fail because something doesn't feel so good right now. Yeah. Very much in align with Dale Carnegie who says like, 
if, if someone's not dying or going to jail, the worst case scenario is not happening. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. True. So I know you love to travel because you mentioned that as the place of escape as well. Where is one of your most favorite places you've ever been? Uh, one of my favorite places is Hood River, Oregon. Oregon. Uh, yeah, Hood River. It yeah. is on the Columbia River and it is about just under an hour east of Portland. Um, and it's this beautiful little town and there are, it's got this culture that is really neat. And I actually think Squamish could be like this if we had some vision, but yeah, <laughs> it's, and it's, a, it's right in the midst of the mountains, but it's also on the water and it's just like the vibe is amazing. And it's one of my favorite, favorite places to go. And I go there a few times every summer. That sounds beautiful. Sounds beautiful. So what is one place that's on your bucket list that you still want to go? <sighs> what is, which one is not? Um, <laughs> my bucket list is, the top of my bucket list is, is Eastern Africa. I don't know when I'm going to make it there, Anything that resonates with you with that area? Like I have, I've always been really interested in the history um, of the, the area and it has not always been happy. Mm -hmm. But the cultural development and the change and the, the things that have happened in that area are just so fascinating to me. And given how long and, and deep that, that history is, I can't imagine, like we live in a part of the world that's very, very young, right? Very new, very young. We don't have a lot of history here, at least in terms of you know, what we have access to. But I would love to go somewhere like that that has so many centuries of just really interesting stuff that's been happening and seeing what it's like to be immersed in that culture. I'm sure you'll have a lot of more stories to share once once you uh, sure. go there as well because travel changes you. Oh, absolutely. absolutely does. Yeah and I can't get enough of it. Um, I, I try to I try to get on at least one big trip every year, but right now I'm traveling so much for work. And mm -hmm. uh, right now it's like tour of the U.S. I'm seeing yeah. all sorts of different places in the U.S., which is great too. You know, even within a country like the U.S., there is so much diversity. You know, between the Eastern Seaboard and the Southern United States, and you know the the Gulf and on the West Coast, like there's so much in between. It's yeah. there's actually a lot of diversity. And you can discover so much, so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what is, I know continuous learning is so, so important as you're growing a business, um, new opportunities come up, how to face them. There's always lessons inside books. What is one of the books that you're reading? That I'm reading right now? Mm -hmm. Profit First. Uh, that's Michael Mac have to remember how to say his last name, <laughs> but I know who you're talking about. I'll let you try it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Mikevitz. So, something like something that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's, um, <clears throat> it's a bit opportunistic right now because <clears throat> um, I'm working on a program with a uh, colleague of mine who is a financial coach. And, um, and uh, I got really interested in the approach and I think it's really relevant to my clients. And I tend to be somebody who consumes a lot of information. So, cause I want to be the best resource to my clients as possible. So right. I, I learn about SEO. I learn about, you know, all the tactical stuff. And I also learn about all the strategic stuff so that when my clients come to me, they are, I'm their resource. And so the profit first model is, um, is I think really effective for small business owners and solo entrepreneurs. So I want to be as well versed in that, um, in that approach as possible. So I can do even better with my clients and helping them build models that work for them. And it's so important to have be that resource because it's not how many resources people have. It's about being resourceful and books are, mm -hmm. and podcasts are, some of the greatest ways for us to learn those things. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, so I want to ask you now, um, what are the top three things? Because we're coming to the end of our interview. What would be the top three things that you would want our audience to learn from you, to remember you by? Okay. Not roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, I want them to know that you can have whatever you want, right? Don't be constrained by what you see out there. If you have a vision, you can have whatever you want. And if you can, if you can get some help clarifying that and working through that model, you can have it. So don't feel like you need to have something that is, um, that doesn't feel right for you because you won't put the effort into your business. <laughs> um, the second thing I would say is love your data. Your data, anywhere that you can collect data and you can find out more information about what's actually happening in your business. You need to be inquisitive, you need to be curious and you need to look, you know, triangulate that with, um, with numbers. And there's number, there are numbers everywhere that you don't even know exist. And those can really help you keep going and running your business like a machine. And the, the third thing is don't be afraid to fail. In fact, look at failure as an opportunity. Look at failure as becoming more knowledgeable and becoming smarter in your business um, and lose the anxiety around not doing something well. Those are awesome tips because I think people are so afraid to fail, so afraid to put themselves out there for the fear of being judged yes. and learning to love your numbers. I don't know about you, but when I started to learn, start learning to learn about my numbers and start loving them, those numbers started to change in a very yeah. positive way. Yes. So absolutely. instead of avoiding them and, you know, putting the blanket over your head, really, I encourage others as well. Stay in touch with Stephanie. Check, check out what she has to say. Stephanie, how, what are some final words you'd like to share and how can people continue to stay in touch with you? Okay. I have a, a gift for all of your listeners. Woohoo! Um, you can find me at uh, Stephanie Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S dot biz. And I'm sure you can put these in the short notes. Um, yep. Slash millionaire dash woman. And there you can sign up for a free um, strategy call with me. And we can work through whatever's got you challenged right now. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for joining us, Stephanie. You are a fabulous guest. And for everyone there who is on with us, and please share this interview with other people so that they could learn about the four pillars and why they need to be following through and building their business with a foundation that's going to make them successful. Because everything that you do, all the choices that you make, count. So, as Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. As always, my wish from Stephanie and myself is to go out and make today great. Please go over to www.debrakazowski.com, sign up for the Success Secrets newsletter, get your free gift of the 21 Habits High Achievers Kick to Achieve Success. Until the next podcast, have a fabulous day and stay tuned.